Did you have people saying, if you cared about me, you'd stop? And you cared about them. And you couldn't stop. So do you relate to what they're saying? Desperate desire to stop, no outward action manifested. Okay? Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So some of you went there, I felt you go to that hopeless place. That's what they're talking about. I got to get you there before we encounter the power that lifts you out of there. Okay? So lack of power, that was our dilemma. Yes? We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Notice they didn't say, I had to find a power by which I could not pick up. Because contrary to popular belief in the fellowship, it takes no power to not do. It takes power to live when I'm dying of addiction. We had to first ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Anyone relate to that? Yep. Couldn't control our emotional natures. Yep. Pray to misery and depression. Yep. We couldn't make a living, had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Yep. Relate to that? Yes. That is my human condition. That's why I need a power to live. That's why I had to medicate. See, they never tried to solve that problem by not drinking. They took away my solution when they told me it wasn't safe for me to drink. And they pointed me in the direction of a power to live, which would solve my problem. So... After a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. See, they have no earnestness to convince you. Whose job is it to convince you? Alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, fentanyl. Much more powerful forces than us here in the rooms. We're not here to convince you. If you come here convinced and somewhat reasonable then we can bear witness to you about what we found. I once thought and felt as you did. I doubt I made much progress had I not taken action. This is the steps I took. This is what I experienced as a result. Meeting start. Seven o'clock. So, welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position and Neutrality. 
I guess I need to find out, first of all, who's in here for the first time tonight. Anybody here for the very first time tonight? Oh, good. A few of you. First of all, welcome. That's cool. We're glad you're here. And second, let us warn you in advance, you may experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a very different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I do here is not so much tell you what the book says, because what the book says to you is none of my business. But what I will do is I'll show you how I find what it says to me. And I'll encourage you to have your experience. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks at house? Okay, so those of you online couldn't see, but they raised their hand. In 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a tangible, a sensory experience. When, when you share it, we'll know, we'll feel it together, right? And, and, and the reason we want to call it to your attention is we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? So tonight we're going to take a look at step four, which is why I commented on maybe the room is not as full. Somebody got a memo out. Because <laughs> a lot of times people don't want to look inward, right? But I want to I hope that before the night's over, you're going to understand why it's a really good idea for anybody, whether you have an addictive disorder or any kind of human condition, to perhaps get a look at the truth. So we're going to take a we're going to just take a dive into their experience and and see what you can learn or glean from it. Um, we're going to start on page 63 of the text, and it starts out. It says, "Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action." So what I want to call your attention to is first of all, who's we? The first 100 launched out on a course of vigorous action. How many of you in your first attempt at a fourth step would describe your experience as something less than a launching? So I don't know why that might have been, but it's entirely possible that you had not yet encountered power. That's why there's a step two encounter, which I enjoin in three to ask for power to embark on my inward search. Does it make sense? So let's go through this and see what we get revealed. huh? So the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. So how many of you prior to being introduced to recovery and a fourth step experience had ever tried to do an inventory of yourself? Like no hands up, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna presume just like them, most of us have never attempted. Why do we think we can figure it out on our own? How many of you? Didn't figure you needed any help, we just, I can do that. Okay, these people, this is a book of testimony. So the power of their testimony is the revelation they experienced. There's no reason you should know what they experienced or even what they did without someone showing you and telling you not what you should do, but what I found I needed to do and what I experienced as a result, right? Okay, 
So it says, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. How many of you concluded that somewhere out there? That whatever drug or you were, whatever you're using, that really wasn't the main problem. Any of you figure that out? It was, it was a symptom, right? Because alcohol was my solution until it started being problematic. Okay, so we had that part right, but no other solution, yes? And, and so they, they said we had to get down to causes and conditions. How many of you had just some abstinence experience and you didn't like abstinence? None of us like abstinence. That's not what, they celebrate abstinence in the fellowship, but in the program, we celebrate spiritual inebriation. Ease and comfort from within without going out in the world to get it. Pretty handy little trick for an addict to know. Okay. All right. So, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry I read so long. I know that's tedious. But I have to read you the entirety of it, and then we can go back and deconstruct how much instruction they put in the paragraphs. Make sense? So if we did exactly the same thing with our life, we need to go see what they said they did. So the first thing they said they did is that they embarked on an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. So what, in this instance, what is the stock and trade? Me. Me. Right? So have you ever noticed that there's sometimes a variation in your truth other people's truth, and the truth. So this is not an effort to learn my truth. It's not an effort to learn your truth. It is an effort to experience profoundly the truth. Unobscure my consciousness of the truth, the great reality within me. Does that make sense? Okay, so... One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods and get rid of them promptly and without regret. So they said that was one object. What was the other object? They wouldn't have pointed out one if there wasn't another. How many of you thought your inventory was just to get that dirt? You're just as sick as your secret. You've got to get that dirty little secret out. That's a half-truth. It would be a good idea. But let me tell you a little revelation. There are no secrets in the realm of the Spirit. So you're not holding a secret. You're dying of a secret you think God doesn't know. So what we want you to do is we're, we're trying to dig through all the crap, damaged and unsaleable goods, to get to the great reality within. Where did they tell us we were going to find this power? Deep down inside. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. So this is not a crap hunt. This is a treasure hunt. Make sense? Okay. So if the owner of the business is to be successful, successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our life. So I'm going to encounter the truth, 
and then I'm going to bear witness to that truth. Yes? So we took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. Those are a lot of fancy words that most of us don't use. Yes? When did they ask me if I was convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated me? In step three. It was, it was the essence of the third step decision, right? Being convinced that self-manifested in various ways is what they asked me to be. Being convinced, we then looked at step three, and then they told me several reasons why my self-manifested in various ways had been problematic, and now they want me to go in and take a closer look. Does it make sense now? Okay. So they, they don't make us make it up. They're going to give us starting points to look at. So the very first thing is resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. You notice they didn't, you would think that alcohol would destroy more alcoholics than anything. <laughs> Resentment. Yep. So that spirit of grievance that you tether along with you will obscure your consciousness of the good within you. Does it make sense? Yes. Okay. So from it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. How do we normally, in worldly ways, try and treat this malady called addiction? Don't we want to go get a job? We want to go get a house? We want to go get a car? How many of you have got all that stuff and just surrendered it back? Because So what they're suggesting, what they learn, is we're going to have to straighten out the spirit, and then the mind and body will straighten up. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. That's what they did. What do we do? Did you know what Sean's talking about? Yep. Any of you just go to work and complain about your conditions? <laughs> Ever share, share your grievances with your friends so they could help you? <laughs> so if we really want to develop spiritually, instead of poisoning the consciousness, we might want to just start working on the casting out process. Huh? So we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. So that's pretty simple. People, institutions, principles. Angry. Why? Yeah? Okay. We ask ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, we're hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. How many of you have done a four-step inventory and discovered what they discovered? How many of you looked at all the damage from your personal relationships and concluded you just weren't going to have any more? <laughs> How many of you isolated yourself away from all those people and still had trouble in personal relationships? Because <laughs> the main problem centered in the mind. It never was out there, right? Okay. So we were sore, we were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? I'm going to jump to the bottom of the page. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why did they make that point to us? How many of you tried to shade your inventory because you knew you were going to tell it to somebody else? 
Did it help? When you tried to tell the story, did the one you were trying to tell it to you, you were telling it to know already? Did they look right at you and say, "Well, you holding back?" You're like, "How'd they know?" Because the spirit is tangible, and we know. Anyway, so when we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why? How many of you have learned that? That the facts you learned in your four have been used by you to avert suffering for many that you've encountered since. That, that collective experience of learning the truth and sharing the truth. Not your truth, not their truth. The truth. Yes? Okay. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. How many of you have concluded that before? How many times today? So that's not an unusual discovery, right? How many of you have been disturbed by learning the world and its people are wrong? How many of you wrecked a few other people's day because of your discovery? Okay. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Have you ever had that day where nothing was particularly good, nothing was particularly bad, but something was particularly unsettled, and then you spent the day finding fault in things simple and complex? Did you notice it didn't get any better? Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. You ever had the experience of finding out you weren't quite perfect yet? And you thought that was a real secret to the rest of us? But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. They put that in italics. Have you ever thought you won a victory and then found out later there were some things you had not considered? Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. I got to point out to you, this is book, the book at this point is their testimony, but written in past tense. They're talking to you of an experience they've had. If you've never done a four-step, it may not be plain yet to you that a life filled with deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. In fact, I will tell you in my own experience, my resentment kept me alive for some period of time because that's all I had until I was given better tools. But I will tell you that once I got through the inventory process, shared it with another, and started in the amends process, I have learned that that was not living, that was dying. Anyone with me? To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? So they gave us a little key there. What did they say? This deep resentment that leads me to futility and unhappiness. What did they tell me about it? They told me I permitted it if I'm on their path. Remember the Eagles? Any of you guys old like me remember the Eagles? They wrote a song, so oftentimes it happens. We live our life in chains, and we never even know we hold the key. So we've permitted the suffering because we're not disciplining our thought life, yes? And that's what this process is starting to teach us. So, but with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. 
I don't know how many alcoholics or addicts I have in the room, but I are one. So for other people, this may not be so grave, but for me, resentment is infinitely grave. And you'll, you'll have to make that conclusion on your own, right? Um, we found that it's fatal, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the Spirit. So now they told me about how I permit it. I harbor it. How many of you have perceived a slight at some time and then carried it with you for a long time? Yes. So, for when we're harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. With us to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. How many of you would like to be free of anger? How many of you still have a hard time believing that can happen? Any of you been so consumed with anger that it was a fuel that just drove you? Come on, I know some of you intimately. I know that that's true, right? It was true for me. But it is possible. That's what the purpose of the book is. We can live free. That doesn't mean it doesn't recur but I've got a new set of tools and I've got a power within me that sees to it that if I'll do my part, he'll do his. Okay, so the insanity of alcohol returns, we drink again, with us to drink is to die. If we're to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us, so now they're telling us some of the things that we do as humans to seed that spirit of grievance. What does grouch mean? Complain. Any, you ever met that guy that you say, hey, how you doing? Said, okay, for a Monday. There's one coming every seven days. Might want to move past it. Right? What about brainstorm? You ever get a bright idea? Launch out on a course of vigorous action? Maybe not fully consider the consequences of said action. That's a brainstorm. Or perhaps a sudden fit of rage. Any of you ragers? You ever, are you such a rager that you see yourself acting out and go, what a jerk. I can see this one coming. This is going to turn bad. Okay. All right. So those things are not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. You know your condition. If you're an addict of the hopeless variety, if you're an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, those things are not going to let you live long and happy. Right? Okay, so we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. So what's the key to the future? It's real simple. The truth. The truth is the key to the future. We don't have to get it twisted. Okay? We're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. Any of you, where's my meth addicts? Come on, there gotta be a few of you. They were everywhere, weren't they? Under the trailer. <laughs> Tore the floor out just because they couldn't, so they couldn't hide under there. Now they can see my feet from the street. Come on, who was, who was there with me? No? Wherever. Yeah, they get in the attic, too. It's a mess. Um, 
Okay, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? Wrongdoing of others, fancied or real? How much of the wrongdoing of others toward me do you imagine is fancied? 90%. Why is he so sure that it's 90%? What I have learned, I would concur with him, and, I, and not because I know me any better than Sean knows me, but I will tell you that most of you are not thinking of me nearly as often as I'm thinking of me. <laughs> You're probably thinking of you. Which means you just bumped into me because you were too busy thinking of you. But, but I'll let it ruin my whole day because enough of me talking about me. Let's hear what you think about me. But what about if that's not up? What if it, that, that wrongdoing is not fancied, but it's real? Doesn't make any difference. That has the power to kill, too. It doesn't matter. So regardless of how righteous I've become, forgiveness has to be a part of my being. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. For my survival. Okay. So it says, how could we escape? And they put a question mark. So that would be the question, wouldn't it? When these authors put question mark, that's a time for us to go inward. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. I need to know, do I need to know? Or do I even want to know? Right? So if I want to know how we escape, we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? Another question. How am I going to master a resentment? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. What does that suggest they tried? They tried to wish them away or deny they had them. Ever done that? You ever just said, I'm over it, and then you saw whoever it was again? Not over it. Okay. Okay, so this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Interesting. I'm just now starting to learn the symptoms of my spiritual malady, Maybe, just maybe, they could have a similar affliction. Yes. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So what are their symptoms? Resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse. Selfishness, dishonesty, just exactly the list, right? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, now this is them talking to you. Half of them were atheists or agnostics. The other half were believers dying in their alcoholism. So it's important you get this. Regardless of religious prejudice you have, either for or against, they very simple. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful? Thy will be done. Right? How can I be helpful? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. What is God's will? Whatever is going on, I need to grow into perspective of how I can be helpful in this moment. Because if you love me, feed my sheep. I was brought to this moment in order to impart something. Yes? So it's pretty simple, isn't it? Not easy, because that would mean my whole egoic attachment to the moment. Okay. So we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, 
we destroy our chance of being helpful. So how many of you came around, started doing these disciplines, still weren't too hot on the whole prayer life thing, but started finding you had power to be kinder than you felt like being? Did you not have that very experience? So what is that but a power greater than you operating through you? Is it not tangible? Do you not feel yourself really wanting to rage and responding in a different way? must be real. This whole spiritual thing might be real. Chap, it might be real. I forgot to mention, Chaplain Lee does a recovery church service here every Saturday. Members, you're welcome to bring your family to this and to his service at 7 o'clock on Saturday. And he checks me in case I'm not telling the truth. Okay, so if we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. So if I'll just take the time to pause when agitated and ask, how can I be helpful? God will show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view. That doesn't mean that they're going to experience it as helpful. They may not be able to help everyone. Does it make sense? Okay. So referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. How many of you had a hard time with that? That's why we suggest you get a mentor or a sponsor or whatever you're going to call them and have them, in some loving way, help you understand that if you don't find a part, you're going to remain in their clutches forever. Because there's something. And that doesn't mean if you were injured by somebody that you had a part in that injury. But if you survived it and you're still dying of your memory of it, instead of employing it to help others, then your spirit of grievance and unforgiveness is killing you. Does it make sense? And we just have to help you walk through that. Um, Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? So it's really hard when we don't think we had a part. In most cases, if we look hard enough, we'll see that. But some childhood injuries, we had no part in, that kind of thing. Even abusive adult relationships, we may not have a part in. But unforgiveness is deadly to me. So the inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. So they told me I admitted them honestly, and then I was ready to set these matters straight. Did that, how many of you saw it, said you were willing, and then still lacked the power to carry it out? Okay, because we're in step four. We're not in step nine. There's some, there's some more prep. Okay. All right, so notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches every aspect of our life. How many of you found that out? Where's my anger people here? So we didn't admit to fear readily, did we? I ain't afraid of nothing. Might be a little selfish. I ain't afraid of nothing. Selfishness and fear are just running the same line. Right? So some people don't mind copping to one, but but it's those manifestations of self-driven by fear that defeat me. Okay. 
So it was evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. How many of you have had that and know exactly what they're talking about? Some of you have sat with. You experienced some misfortune. You experienced some cruelty at a, at a difficult time. But the fact of the matter is your behavior that led up to them, out of self-protection, people kept you away, and so you felt slighted. Yes. Any of you got family? Yes. My family does that to me on the regular. It's been a long time since they saw me in that kind of a mess, but I'm still that guy. And it's not, it's not their fault. Right? Okay. All right. So, but did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. Why? Doesn't that sound a little drastic? How many of you have have let fear steal from you an opportunity? The biggest opportunity that we let fear steal from us is a better version of ourselves. So, you know, get some power and do not let fear is a liar. Do not let fear steal a better version of you. Okay? Um, We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. You know what they're talking about? Fear experiences that have no resentment in connection with them. Where's my people that suffered from depression? That's anger without enthusiasm. And it's real. I'm not trying to make a joke about it. Any of you experience it? No, man. It's like there's no getting up. There's no moving, right? We, but there is power in you, and we can help you with that. But anyway, we're, we've got we've to start owning our experience so that we can move through the experience, right? We're going to, my friend Chap likes to say, we take the facts to the truth. You take the facts to the truth, then there's a way made. Okay. All right, so we ask ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Another question mark, another. So are you afraid to try something new because when you tried something once before, it didn't work out? Have you ever tried something new since you were made new? (coughs) Did you experience the same failure? No, because he can do anything but fail. That's what we're trying to do. Someone felt, who felt that? A whole bunch of you felt that. Very good. Okay. Okay. That didn't come from up here. That's happening in you. Okay. So self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So now they're clearly talking about a fear problem rather than a drug problem. I had a drug solution for my fear problem. And since I used a spiritual solution for my fear problem and that ceased to work, the only solution that's going to work is a more powerful spiritual solution. True? Which is why I need spiritual inebriation rather than abstinence, because I'm shitty at abstinence. (laughs) Okay, so perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. When I say God, you say... That's right, because the first 100 half of them were atheists or agnostics, but everyone believes in power. That's why we come to believe in power, right? Okay, so we trust infinite 
rather than our finite selves. That makes logical sense to people that are having trouble struggling with religious ideas, huh? We trust infinite power rather than our finite selves. That will not get an argument, huh? It'll also come with power, and we'll be able to help people sort out their truth from the truth. Sorry, I'm drooling. It happens when I get excited, Lance. So it says we're in the world to play the role he assigns. So how many of you have to admit that it does seem at times that we got given a kind of a crappy assignment? It does, right? Why me? You ever had the why me's? So it's the wrong question. Why not you? Why not me? I've been perfectly prepared for the role in which I now find myself. So have you, right? And, and so the whole idea of 12-step recovery is for you to learn the truth, who you are and whose you are, and then walk in it, right? And bear witness to it, okay? So it says, just to the extent we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? How did they tell us they experienced this power? Power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowing into them. So if I'm doing what I think he would have me do, and I'm being mindful, then he's going to empower me to match calamity with serenity, a power greater than me operating through me. Yes? How many of you have found that when you were high, you could match calamity with serenity? Come on. Everybody here had to have had that discovery, right? I could sit there with the house on fire and go, should we go outside? <laughs> so now we're going to be empowered internally to be able to respond in loving ways, yes? Okay. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We, there you go. Someone said it. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be at once we commence to outgrow fear. I'd like you to point, to take a look at what they discovered. I was never the doer. God's the doer, I'm the being. That's why they don't call me a human doing, they call me a human being. And when I, un, you know, when I wake up, which is the goal, then I'll serve as an instrument. Yes? How many of you have found yourself serving as an instrument and just never had anyone break it down for you? Yes. And you knew you were serving as an instrument because you were being a whole lot nicer than you ever thought you wanted to be. <laughs> okay. And why did that happen? Well, apparently because I outgrew fear. Right? You start getting a little more. I hear it all the time in recovery rooms. I'm more comfortable in my skin. You know why? Because you outgrew fear. Yeah. Now about sex. Whoops. They had to go there, didn't they? Yeah. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's easy, so easy to get way off track. Here, we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. 
One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. And then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we don't have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. How many of you have been on that side of the scale? Which one? <laughs> not enough of it or not the right kind? That, that should be all my meth addicts. Leathers, feathers. All the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. Procreation only. You been there? Sometimes people come out of a bad relationship. That's where they are. Never again. Okay. So what we're trying to do is get see if we can figure out some balance and get an ideal. Huh? So. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare. The other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. Who's we? First 100. So if we want to follow along in their suggestion, then we should not pile on when we see people acting like people. Right? Um, we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. Why not? Well, and we're not very good at it, right? I'm more likely to catch you doing something with someone I was hoping to do it with than, a, than I... It happens. So it says we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? So it's not a discovery to see other people behave less than optimal. What I need to do is discipline my thoughts so that I don't behave less than optimal. Okay? All right, so we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate? So now if you're doing the inventory on paper, this is the essence of your 10th step for a lifetime. So you're going to want to, it isn't enough to say check a box like I've seen people. You need to know how you were thinking and how you were acting when you acted selfishly, how you were being dishonest. It's not outward dishonesty. That's obvious. It's inward dishonesty. I can't treat you bad without somehow telling myself you deserve it or I deserve it or some combination, all a lie. Nobody deserves to be treated badly no matter what. Right? So, so then it says, says, whom had we hurt? How many of you have done this and found out there were collateral damage? Any of us that ever been in a marital relationship and then blew that up? We had kids, we had family members, right? Okay. Um, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So they're going to tell us why you want to do that. Remember before I said you'll find that normal people, what people call normal people, I don't think there are any. We just got a different type of abnormal and we send, we gravitate towards people that are crazy like us. Um, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. So this isn't just about sex. It's about all human relations, which they're going to tell us about. How many of you would like a sane and sound ideal for your future relationships, yep. sex or otherwise? All the hands should be up, right? It just makes sense. 
okay? So this is the product of this is a safe and sound ideal for all my future relationships with people, institutions, and principles. Okay, so we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? The old, the old AAs used the four absolutes. Any of your AA scholars, absolute love, absolute unselfishness, absolute purity, absolute honesty. And they didn't hold you to it, they held themselves to it, ran it by, and there's a power within you that'll help you judge. Okay? Um, so we ask, subjected each relation to this test, was it selfish or not? We ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. So by this time, I know God's tangible. I'm asking for information, right? That sense of direction. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, never to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. Why must I be willing to grow toward it? Yeah, it's, a, it's not a must. Remember they told us it was suggestive, and I've heard people infer that that must meant that there was a, there was a rule of some sort, but there really are no rules. You can do it however you want to. However, why would I write all this crap down if I didn't want to outgrow it? If I didn't want to become this better guy, why wouldn't I be willing to do the things that would propel me there? Right, so it's kind of a no-brainer willing than as opposed to a rule, right? A no-brainer must. I must have, I wouldn't have taken this much time and trouble and gone through the suffering of reliving it if I weren't willing to grow. Make sense? Okay. And we must be willing to make amends where we've done harm. Same thing. You see why? Why? Because someone now has explained to me that the making of amends is the fitness step. It's the freedom step. I may not want to admit to you wrong, but if you ask me, do I want to be free, I'm in, I'm in all day. Right? Okay. So, so it says that provided we, do, that we don't bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So like I said, this is, this is an inventory of our human condition. Sex is just one manifestation of self that tends to cause humans a lot of trouble. So I'm going to look at all my future relationships with this sane and sound lens. Does that make sense? Yeah. My language has been pretty good tonight. Well, I gotta tell you, sometimes I'm worse. <laughs> I asked the old timers this part and they told me, Joe, write them all down, you probably fucked them all anyway. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. Raheem, that's what happened. Um, in meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. So now, I know God's real. I know God's power. Meditation means I'm expecting a response. So I'm talking and I'm listening. I'm receiving in an intuitive way. Yes? Okay. The right answer will come if we want it. How many of you have learned that? Yes. What if you don't want it? Sometimes it comes, huh? Sometimes we think we can prove upon it, right? Oh, no, no, no. I got a much better plan. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. So how many of you have had, found somebody, and everyone was a critic? 
How many of you took it to the spirit, stayed where you were, found out it's okay? I can tell you that happened in my case. So all I can tell you is God alone, and you may have to face some heat because that's what happens. But um, do not deny God because the world disapproves. Seriously. Um, anyway, so we realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose, suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble, question mark. Any of you ever been afraid that if you did this, that would happen, and if you did that, that would happen, and maybe I'd just get paralyzed and... So the whole point is, we can be so afraid of making a mistake that we don't move. That's why I asked you earlier, have you tried to do anything since you've been made new? Because if you're following instruction and you've been made new, you can expect a new experience. Yes? Okay. So it says, says uh, does this mean we're going to get drunk? So it says, some people tell us so. Why did they warn us that? Because they heard it. Because if we take all our advice from out there instead of seeking in prayer and meditation, we, we may get misled. Not because they want to mislead us, but people think they can avert our suffering for us. That's a delusion, but it's, it, you know, people are going to go through what they go through. Okay, um, does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but it's only a half-truth. So... It may be true if you continue, yes? It depends on us and our motives. So let's think about this. How many of you can confidently say you always know your motives? No. Our whole addictive history would teach us that we're not the best judge of our motives. How many of you in addiction desperately wanted to stop could manifest no outwardly action to show it? Yep. So God knew your motives before you could show anyone. Yeah? Okay. So if we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. They use interesting words there. They believe they will have been forgiven. I've heard people teach about forgiveness of self. That's not what they taught. Humans are terrible at forgiveness of self. Self's the problem. Self's the illusion. What we need to do is know that we are forgiven. Amen. And, and then move. The way has been made, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and, and yes, it's biblical, but this whole thing is biblical, if you haven't been told. And Joseph, in his story, he tells about, thank you, Father, for removing those memories from me as he moved into his new and better life. And the reality is that when we know that we know, then the meaning of all of that no longer means what it once meant because now it is a tool to avert suffering for many others. Okay. Um, if we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. So if we're running around just being a train wreck, then we're probably going to get what we always got for being a train wreck. We're not theorizing, these are facts out of our own experience. Right. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal. 
for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for strength to do the right thing. Do you think when they asked for strength to do the right thing, there was something they wanted to do that was averted because they found out God was real and they asked to be protected from themselves? How many of you have had that experience? This is a book of testimony that's profound for people that, that are struggling with belief based on bad experiences either in recovery or in a church. And they, these guys are just old drunks that got yanked off a scrap heap and raised to a better life. Better than the best they've ever known. Um, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. This is where I ask for who, who's been blessed with a spiritual awakening and works with others. There's all the people with sex problems. <laughs> right under the bus. Right? We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. How many of you had that discovery? How many of you wrote down a lot? How many of you had, took a while to do it? I mean, I'm not talking months procrastinating. I mean hours writing and talk. Okay. Okay, so we've listed and analyzed our resentments. How many of you have done that? Some of you I know here have just recently gone through some and got some freedom, right? We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. Is that true? Those of you, Tom, can I throw you under the bus? He just analyzed some resentments and has begun to recognize their futility and their fatality, right? Not, he's honest with himself. He's not ready to go make amends, but he can see himself getting there. He deserves a round of applause for that. That's huge. Right? So we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look upon them as sick people. See, a, a new perspective. My insanity was an appalling lack of perspective. And now, because I'm made new, I see new, right? A vital sixth sense, yes? Okay. So we have listed people we have hurt by our conduct and willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again, that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Did you notice how they worded that? Faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. They talked to us in the chapter where we had our encounter about the faith, the childlike faith of the Wright brothers was the mainspring of their accomplishment. Everyone said no one could fly. That's reserved to the birds. But the Wright brothers' childlike faith was the mainspring of their accomplishment, and so is your restoration. Right? So we hope you're convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. Those of you guys that are programming here now, remember two years ago on the yard, three years ago on the yard, Many of you probably thought no one thought about you, nobody cared, and then you started hearing from somebody here and started getting letters, or you started hearing rumbling. Three, four years ago, we were building this place for you. And nobody, nobody thought this was a good idea. 
When we went to pitch this, people were like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. 400 freshly released in the middle of town, sure. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Not because of qualification, but because of identification, because of who I am and whose I am and who you are, right? If you've already made a decision in an inventory of your gross or handicaps, you've made a good beginning. Uh, they're talking about beginnings, right? It's all beginning, a new manner of living. We're in our first steps of new beginning through the fourth step. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. Very good. Next week, we'll look at the rest of it. Yeah.